if you're a small business owner and you feel like your business finances are a hot mess, this episode is for you. We are going to be talking to Jacqueline Velez, who works over at Zero. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, hola. How's it going? This is Jen Hemphill, your host. And this week, we are continuing to highlight Latinas in leadership as we got another phenomenal Latina for you to meet today. Let me tell you a little bit about Jackie Vélez. She is the director of the U.S. Hispanic market at Zero. And before joining Zero in 2016, Jacqueline spent 10 years working in public accounting and industry at PwC, Flowtech Industries, and Schlumberger. In 2019, Jacqueline was recognized by Practice Ignition as one of the top 50 women in accounting. In today's episode, you're going to hear what Jackie learned about stretching the dollar from living in a two-bedroom duplex with her family, as well as the top mistakes Latino small business owners make and what Zero is doing and how they are helping Latino small business owners. Lista, vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Bienvenida, Jackie. I am so thrilled to have you here. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm glad that we got to connect throughout all the things that we've been through the last few months. <laughs> it's yes. really good to be here. <laughs> yes, it's at the time we're recording this, we're at the beginning of 2021, which has been interesting already. And I'm just bracing myself, trying to stay calm. And my word of 2021 is grace. So I am oh. trying to really <laughs> I'm gonna use that word do everything word. gracefully. And I'm really <laughs> thrilled to have you here, especially you being a Latina, you being essentially a leader, you being an example for our community. I am really excited to dig in. So let's yeah. start with your money story. Let's if you can yeah. take us back in time to where maybe you're a little girl mm -hmm. or maybe teenager, some time in your life that really left an impact on you in terms of what you heard, what you saw, or something you experienced with money? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really involved with my whole childhood, the whole lifestyle that we had. I'll just start from the beginning. I was born here in Houston. My parents immigrated. My mom immigrated from Mexico, and my dad came from Bolivia, from South America. And they met here in Texas. And as many immigrants ha have that this happened to them, they don't really have any kind of support. You know, they just come over with what they have. It's a pretty humble beginning. <laughs> my parents actually met at work and my dad ended up, so at the time they were working at an insurance company, my dad ended up finishing up his degree and was a bilingual school teacher. And my mom never finished her degree. So We, we basically were depending more on his salary. My mom always worked, but she always had jobs that allowed her to 
be able to leave work and be able to spend time with us. Even though she worked, she still felt like she wanted to be able to, if we needed to go to the doctor, be able to take us and that sort of thing. So she ended up working like for the government and not, not having very high paying jobs. Just that in its own, there were four of us. And we left, lived in a very small home. We lived in a two-bedroom duplex. And on the outside, you know, it looked like we never starved. You know, we had everything. My mom was able to, you know, find good things at Marshall's or find good sales and that things like that. And so I really learned at a young age, like how to stretch your dollar. And I learned that from them. And they didn't really, like, we wouldn't even go to McDonald's. As always, everything was, we, we ate at home. It was more nutritious as an afterthought, but it was really like, you know, she cooked everything and she did not put anything to this day. If I throw away leftovers, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, you cannot do that. And because um, now it's like, we have an excess of food and, and things like that. And so, you know, I think I really, having that background really set the tone for me to not have the expectation that, I need to have everything perfect. Like I was a little bit more flexible and like where I could live. And so growing up that way, I was able to be more, more frugal, but there's an outgrowing of that. So I started working really, really young because I wanted to buy my own car. And my mom really always said, and she said this in English, not in Spanish. She was like, don't ever depend on any man. Like that was always her thing. And so <laughs> that really stuck with me. Just that one quote really pushed me to where I am today. And it's good to be frugal. It's good to watch your dollar, but it's also like, there's a mindset as well. That's that I'm going through and shifting to, to where we're no longer immigrants that can't do any better. We actually can earn more. We can get the education. We can learn how to invest. We can learn about Bitcoin. We're not limited the way that maybe they were in the past. And so I think that's kind of a challenge for me to go from that scarcity and that frugality, which is not bad. It's not bad to be frugal, but you also want to think about how much more can there be? Because it's like a mind, it's like a barrier in your mind that you have of, of how much you deserve you know, I made more than, than my parents ever did. So even then, you know, it's like, do I deserve this? Well, yes, I do. You know, especially as a woman saying I'm worth this amount, I can make this amount, my earning power can be this high. And also to be disciplined about learning the knowledge about investing in retirement, that sort of thing. Love it. I could so relate with you in terms of not eating out. We did some of that same thing to that point. Sometimes we ate a lot of lentejas con arroz. That was the thing. That was like the staple. And sometimes I'll still, I like it, but I just can't have it because I, it was like the thing, leftover after leftover. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't take lentejas con arroz. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I completely related so much to your story and the frugality and just shifting the mindset because I've been there too, where I didn't realize until I was an adult on how much the scarcity mindset was within me and how frugal I was. And like you said, frugal, I think is fine as long as you can measure how much that is helping you. I think that is just so critical. Sometimes it works against you. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes you'll try to like be cheap about a certain thing and then like you end up spending money, like, you know, Spirit Airlines, for example, like you go, <laughs> you you get a cheap flight, but you end up having to pay for the baggage or just the experience is really bad. I've never been on spirit, so I don't really, and I don't want to get in trouble for saying that on air. But, you know, it's just an example of sometimes 
we try to cut corners with costs and, or even with clothes, you know, if clothes will fall apart and then you could really invest in one nice piece that'll last you longer, even though, you know, you feel like you're doing something bad in your head. Cause it's like, you have that mindset from, from your childhood. If I spend over a certain amount, I'm like, Oh, well, this is like, you start getting scared, you know? Right. <laughs> right. And I noticed that I've seen Latino, especially working to shift that mindset because like you, Latinos have that frugality. We need to work hard. We think about the now and the survival, like we need to work to make money, to put food on the table. But the investing time, the long-term wealth, I think we're getting there. We're shifting, but we still have a lot of work to do. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I think that you're right. I mean, I'm still working on the long-term plans as far as like investing, you know, I do invest for my retirement, but I'm not very good about like investing in stocks and things like that. Even though I have the accounting knowledge to do it, it just wasn't something that I started doing earlier on. And then the other thing is also within my career, I had a very short term vision. So I majored in accounting because I didn't want to have a job where I wouldn't have job security. Mm. And so I chose accounting, even though at the time I didn't quite love it. I just liked the security. It all worked out for me in the end, but really it's like that short-term thought, like, okay, I need to pay my bills at this moment because you're like, you feel like at any time the rug can be taken out from underneath you. And so really if I had just kind of been able to step out of that mindset or even, you know, even now step out of that mindset and think long-term, which I think I'm doing more of now, then I could have maybe planned for the career of my dreams early on and start taking the steps to it instead of maybe working in, because I worked like in the oil and gas industry for a little bit and just because it paid well. And I really disliked the culture. I disliked everything mm-hmm. about it. It was a great learning. Everything happens for a reason, but just that short-sightedness maybe cost me a little bit of time. Right. No, I hear you. Now, let's fast forward from back when you were young and you'd mentioned you, it led to a career in accounting because you mentioned that it paid well. Your concern was security. Yeah. Pay and the security. And you got that. So, what led you, if you could tell us a little more, what led you at working at zero? Just for the listeners, who, what zero is, what do they do, and your role, if you could tell us, how did you get there? It's crazy. I mean, just how everything happened to me. This is a little bit off topic, but I also felt a little bit disconnected from being Latina for a long time, just because you try to fit in and it kind of probably does have something to do with money, but it totally does actually, because you want to, now that I think about it, because you really want to be successful. You want to be able to not have an accent. You know, you want to be able to sound like you are, you are American because you want to be able, I think on some level, maybe having that accent or being a certain way makes you seem more educated. So I'll get back to the reason why I brought that up because it actually brings me full circle to to where I am now. So I majored in accounting because I started working really young and I started working at small businesses. And so I've always really had a passion for small businesses. And what's interesting is I didn't do any small businesses until I worked at zero. And it's just crazy how everything worked out perfectly. (laughs) 
And I remember reading business books and stuff in high school and really being interested in it. And I knew that I could do leadership skills and marketing. I was really outgoing. I loved the operations, but just the accounting, like when I saw business owners, what they went through just seemed like really awful. Like when you take the car to the mechanic and they like tell you everything's wrong and it's just really, really a hard thing. And so I was kind of intimidated by it. And I went to school and I double majored. I was going to major in music theater and I double majored in business. I decided to just do business at some point for security. And then I took an accounting class and I studied my butt off and I started like acing my tests. And it gave me such a sense of accomplishment that I could do that. And if I wanted to eventually own my own business and having that knowledge was going to be good for me. And so I decided that accounting would be a good technical background to be able to go into any other side of business since I thought the other parts were more natural and easy for me. The other thing was that if you get an accounting degree and you start going on the CPA track, you can get a master's faster. And I wanted that master's degree. I kind of planned it out pretty quickly and I graduated early. I was just really wanted to get that degree. It was just like, I wanted that degree because I would have been the first one in my immediate family to get one. And it's a pride thing. You know, it really is because it does feel really good. But at the end of the day, when you die, it doesn't matter what you have, you know, so (laughs) it's a little bit morbid, but, um, you know, thinking way in the future here. But yeah, then I started working. So I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't even really have a plan for going into the accounting industry itself. I just wanted to get a job because I was like bartending and I just didn't like that industry. Uh, one of my friends was like, let's go interview for this job. And I didn't know what it was. And it was PricewaterhouseCoopers, and which is big four. And I got the job and she didn't. And she it was just like this weird thing. And it was like a big deal because I'd gotten a big four job. And it's just so I took the job and it was a great experience. And I eventually ended up working in oil and gas for about 10 years doing basically mostly I did reporting for financial statements. So looking at a publicly traded company and helping them write out their reporting. Then I did an internal audit, which was really cool because I got to travel the world. I went to Latin America a lot. And so that was like the first time that I started becoming more close to my roots because when I went to South America, I was like, wow, like I am Latina. Like I'm not white or American. I'm a Latina. I felt very at home there, even though I'd never been. And then I got burnt out on it. Even though I was traveling, going to great places, I really didn't enjoy the work I was doing. The culture was really bad. And I always had a passion for small businesses. And I always loved technology. And I always like was on my phone and things like that. And so I saw a job posting for zero. And I applied. And it was technically like a sales job. And I wasn't really a perfect fit for it. But the hiring manager, Eileen, who is my mentor, she, you know, saw something in me, you know, they, they saw something in me that I was able to learn fast. I was really honest with them too. You know, when I didn't know something, like I just didn't say, I don't know. So I ended up being a partner consultant, which is like helping accountants who are starting to use zero, like helping them get trained up and just look at their processes. And then I started doing really well. And so I, then I moved into sales, which I'd never done before, but I always kind of wanted to do. And then what was starting to happen along the way was that people would, we had a lot of users or accountants who were 
Latinos who needed support in Spanish, or even just the fact that like my last name is Velez made them feel a little bit more comfortable working with me. And what ended up happening was more and more and more momentum started growing for this to where we started looking at the market in the U.S. You know, there's 4.5 million small businesses that are Spanish speaking in the U.S. Um, That number's actually probably grown since the last time I looked it up. There's a huge opportunity for not only for zero, but also for the small businesses that are Hispanic to start coming on this technology, especially post COVID because everybody's remote now. And so we, so let me back up a second. So we started coming up with some strategy and thinking about what could we do for this market? How big is it? And it, it just was huge. And so they signed off on a new role which I ended up getting overall. And it's just kind of nuts. Like I said, I went back to my roots in a way. I went back to trying to be so Americanized and then really trying to help an underserved market of my people, mi gente. And also, you know, working closely with small businesses and and helping out the Latinos who have a very similar mindset to me, where they're just like very short term to helping them think long term because That's what I'm doing with them on a day-to-day basis. So it's really interesting. I bet. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Financially Strong Latina La Membresia. Imagine... Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Having a space of like-minded mujeres to lean on for support, accountability, and to get those dinero questions answered. You have that and more with Financially Strong Latina La Membresia. You can check out the details of this monthly membership at jenhimphill.com forward slash membership. Tell anybody I told you, we also have a private members only podcast in addition to all the wonderful benefits you get with this membership. So go check it out. I'm curious to see when working with these Latino small business owners, what are some of the common mistakes? Like I figure that in general, all business owners, small business owners make some, the same common mistakes, but is there anything that you have found in working with them that is more common to Latino? I'd love to know. For sure. There's a lot. There's a lot. Real quick. I forgot to tell you what zero is. So zero is a small business accounting software. We have 3,000 employees around the world. We have 2.5 million subscribers in more than 180 countries. We started in New Zealand. We're the market leader there. We're the leader in Australia and the UK. Um, We've been around since 2006. We were founded on the cloud. So any small business Schedule C contractor can use Zero. It also doesn't really have a limit as far as how big a business can be as far as revenue. It's really just a matter of how complex their accounting department it is itself. So basically when they're publicly traded, they grow it out. So it could be a large range of small to mid-sized businesses. A couple things, you know, I think first off, I had this mindset too. I was very independent, did everything very scrappy. And I wouldn't like and being frugal too and not wanting to spend money. They don't want to spend money on accountants sometimes because they don't really see <laughs> the reason why they should do, you know, they, I can do my own taxes or I can get 
la cuñada to do the taxes. You know, it's always like they want to do it themselves in their own way, which is fine. But actually, a lot of times working with an accountant over the long term is actually going to save them money. If not, maybe sometimes immediately because they can tell them where there could be tax credits and things like that. Then that brings me to the next point, which would be looking at reporting. Sometimes a lot of the really small ones, they don't want to report to the government sometimes, or they don't want to report all of their income because they think they'll lose out on money. But like I said, if they actually do report, a lot of times there's tax credits and things like that that they can get. And then very similar to the first thing I said, you know, they don't want to invest in an accounting software just because they don't really understand, for example, they think that there's a security issue. And this is anybody, but especially with Latinos, there might be afraid of security or they're just not familiar with the technology and they're not, they don't really see a need for it because what they do is that's that short term vision is like, they look, okay, do I have money in the bank? Okay, that's fine. We have plenty of money in the bank. We're okay. But really you have to look at what's coming up. You want to see what you have, you're liable to pay. Also, you want to see, you know, how profitable you are, which isn't necessarily the same thing of how how much cash you have. And also that'll help you manage your cash flow. So you do know what's coming up so that if you have large sum of money in the bank right now, you actually don't know, you might have something outstanding that's going to take out that cash and you might start going in the negative or whatever, not have as much cash as you thought. So, so yeah, managing their cash flow. And then so much, (laughs) there's just so much. I'm sure, but those are, those are some really good ones because it doesn't surprise. I was going to ask about the software and if you've experienced resistance and you answered that question that you basically have, which makes sense. Uh, They're afraid of the security issue. As Latinos, we tend to not have as much or the trust with financial institutions, that's a hard barrier for financial institutions to break. Yeah. So that completely makes sense. So I appreciate you sharing that. I know there's much more. Yeah, I could go forever. <laughs> I'm sure. And since you've started the support, because how long have you been in this role? I've been in this role for six months, but I've been doing okay. it probably unofficially for about a year and a half. Okay. And since starting about over a year, what has been the most common questions asked by Latino business, small business owners? That's a good question. For the small business, I guess they just, I think they just want to understand the benefits of using the cloud technology and what the cloud is, because they may be able to have a good system in place using either desktop software. A lot of them don't use any software at all. They're like, you know, I use it in Excel, you know, what's good about using cloud technology? And you really, what starts happening is that they start moving into working with their accountant, or even if they're doing their own accounting, you start working in real time. And when you start looking at your financials in real time, you can manage your cash flow better. You know what exactly is going on. And then you could start really looking at more than just either, you know, how much cash is in the bank or how much accounts payable you have. You can really start looking at, hey, what products are more the most profitable? Or the sales went down today and start looking at what day of the week are we doing the most? And start really looking at not just as an accounting software, but really start making business decisions and really taking their business to the next level. And so I think that they just think it's like the same as using Excel, but really you know, when I was in oil and gas, I remember we started 
coming out with these dashboards. It wasn't even that long ago. It was like less than 10 years ago. And I remember being like, wow. And there were like millions of dollars. And now this technology is available for so much less of like fraction of the price for small businesses. And it's, it needs to be taken advantage of. And I think that a lot of what's helped me overcome is to have good ex- examples too. Cause we have some, and what we call ambassadors that are Latinos who say, you know, this is how we transitioned. And there's some leaders in the space that are really kind of trailblazing. I think that's so important because that's some of the questions that I get asked and working with, with wanting to work with Latinos and is basically you need to connect culturally with them, right? You need to connect. And you mentioned the examples you need to bring in. If, if you're not a Latino and you're wanting to work with them, you need to have some recognition or familiarity, <laughs> With the culture and using those stories and anecdotes with that person, because that really goes a long way because trust is so huge in our community and that in humanity, too. But I know in, in our community, if you trust that person, my goodness, that word of mouth is going to go so long, you know, so far, I should say. And I, I'm so glad you bring that up. And they're loyal, too. I mean, we definitely run on Latino time, but the thing I love about it is that if a Latino partner says they're going to do something, they'll more than likely do it. And if they don't, if they say, if there's something comes up, they'll let you know, or they'll, they'll be apologetic. They won't just, it's just the relationship is really important to them. And so they don't want to break that. And that's, that's what I love about it. And, and like I said, humanity is like that, but really like across the board with Latinos, it's very common that all of them are like, I think it's one of our values that's really strong for us. And in terms of challenges, I know you mentioned we talked about mistakes. And I guess challenges, mistakes can go hand in hand. But what would you say are some challenges, financial challenges that Latino small business owners have expressed to you all when they work with you? Yeah. So I think some of it would be, like I mentioned, like kind of like cash flow and just really maintaining the healthy cash flow and knowing where their cash is going and that sort of thing. Another thing I wanted to mention was they kind of sometimes put together business and personal expenses. <laughs> and so that, you know, you could fix that in zero, but that that's also resistance to using the technology because you're like, oh, I have one bank account. Like, yeah, everybody told me to use a credit card for my personal and, you know, separate card for a debit card or whatever it is, a separate account for my business, but they, they co-mingle, which... It, it is a challenge. It is tricky because then they might be missing out on some type of tax deduction or tax credit later on. They might not have the most accurate financial information and that sort of thing. But if they do use technology like Zero or, or anything that's really cloud-based, they'll be able to, they can actually automate like how you split that out. You can also start, like if you need to do any type of digging, like if there's like an expense that we don't know what it is, if you're working in real time with an accountant, you're more likely to get the right answer in that month than if you wait till the end of the year. And so I think that's one of the challenges. I think just keeping record keeping too, just keeping up, you know, a lot of them, they have a box of receipts and they know those receipts they fade, the, the ink fades, and then they give it to their accountant. And then they have kind of a nasty surprise at the end of tax season. And then it's a lot of strain on the accountant too, versus being able to work in real time and to be able to be a little bit more proactive about the way they work. But 
I will have to say like, that's a big challenge, but one of the biggest challenges, I think it's just really education is, is knowing, you know, what's available. And that's kind of like how we were talking about like having the community share word of mouth is it really goes into play because a lot of people, especially the generation that's probably like two generations older than me. So I'm in my thirties, that generation is not as good with technology as the younger ones. And it's a little bit more of a learning curve and they feel a little bit more intimidated. And, and that's in any culture, but especially Latinos, because it, it could be like they're set in their ways. A lot of them actually do this. Like they have their kid do it. They're like, okay, well, I'll have my son do it. He'll t- take over the, the technology. So it's a lot of intimidation and a lot of education that's there with when it goes comes to technology, what's available. Right. Love it. Now, in terms of that resistance for that person listening, because it could be a person listening has the parents and sus padres that have a small business and they're the ones that are resisting technology or an accounting software or using an accountant. What would you say to the person listening to take on to that family member? To get them to maybe open up and maybe just really be open to changing what they're doing currently. Yeah, I would say that no matter what, you probably are going to have to change to something cloud-based sooner than later. And that there are baby steps. There are ways that you can start integrating the technology without having to go all the way in. I would say, you know, start introducing into baby steps so they could start using zero once a year just to help with tax season, that sort of thing. We have pricing that's not too expensive that will accommodate that, especially compared to the competition. There's We have some very reasonable rates on our software. And I would say like baby steps is a lot of it because if you give them too much at one time, it is a little bit intimidating. And also... I would maybe want to say like, there's been a lot of examples of people just like you that have done it, that have have made the transition. Surprisingly, you know, the resistance that I get usually is not upfront. People are actually excited about using zero because they're like, oh, I want to start automating. I don't want to do everything manually. They do get excited. It's just when they go into trying to do it at very first before we actually train them, they're like, oh no, that's a lot. So. (laughs) Right, right. Makes sense. And the last question I wanted to ask as we wrap it up, is just more curiosity. And maybe listeners are also curious as well. What are in terms of your clients at zero and Latinos, Latino small business owner, what are the trends and in terms of the types of businesses that there are? Because I know we have that stereotype, a Latino, maybe a restaurant, you know, that type of thing. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing? Yeah, there's definitely like a lot of restaurants, a lot of landscaping, a lot of, you know, house cleaning, that sort of thing. Those are all the normal contractors. You'd be surprised. There are actually some that are actually going into technology, creating their own apps. I think that's super exciting and across different parts of technology. It could be related to small businesses or it could be doing something completely different. It's been very inspiring to see how quickly, because we adapt quickly too. Once we don't have that resistance, we're very easy and adaptable. So I've seen a lot of them do technology. I've seen people do retail stores. The restaurant concepts I've seen are actually very unique. You know, they're not just like, one taqueria it's like a whole line and they like have different things going on it's it's really cool um it, it's, it's like they have a lot of locations and i see a lot just a lot of success across the board just really a lot of them thriving 
a lot of them, you know, may have struggled a little bit during COVID, but they found a way to survive. Like we just were survivors. Right, right. Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. You have been absolutely amazing. I've really enjoyed the conversation with you. Maybe we'll have you back again in the future. Yeah, I feel like we could talk for a lot longer. Thank you so much. I had so much fun speaking with Jackie, and I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with her. I hope you have enjoyed these conversations with these phenomenal Latina leaders that we've been having these past several weeks. You can connect with Jackie over at LinkedIn. You can search Jacqueline Velez and connect with her there. And I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the conversation we had today when we were talking about mistakes from small business owners? And if you are one, did you resonate? Did you relate? Did you have something else you wanted to add to the conversation? There's also a link in the show notes as well. And you can share with me your thoughts on this particular episode. Also, if you aren't already following us on a on the podcast platform that you listen to this podcast from, go ahead and do so. Just doing so, even though you may know we release an episode every Thursday. When we release those bonus episodes, you're not going to know. But if you follow, hit the follow button or the plus button, it's going to automatically alert you, right? You will have it on your podcast app to listen to. Also, if you could give us a review, We would absolutely love it if you listen to Apple Podcasts. It's easy to do because they have an area where you can do reviews, but other platforms don't have that. So there is an option for you to review. You can go over to Podchaser. You do have to create a free account and you can do that at jenhemphill.com forward slash Podchaser. So if you don't listen to Apple Podcasts and you want to review the podcast that you listen to, Spoiler alert, this is a tool where you can do that. Of course, we'd love for you to review our podcast, but by all means, review the podcast that you listen to. You want to give them love. Next week, it'll be me and you, but I'm keeping that a secret as of now. That is also my hint as I'm still trying to decide (laughs) what I'm going to share with you next week. But because it is the start of June, I will tell you this, the start of June is midway through the year. So we will focus on looking at checking in, like how has our financial life changed in these past six months? How are we doing on our goals? What do we need to review and change? And maybe what we need to change some goals that is not resonating with us anymore, or or just not working out like we wanted to, what do we need to tweak? So June is about that. It's about not waiting till December and realize that you didn't meet your goal, but checking in and revising and tweaking what you're doing. So that's what next month, the month of June is about. So that is it. Eso es todo. I appreciate you once again. It means the world to me. You can check out the show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 267. Remember, being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you, and so should you. If you love this podcast, love this episode, I would love it if you share it with someone you care about. 
You never know what exactly that person is going through. And the simple act of sharing can change the direction of their financial life for the better. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao. 